What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe, located in inner southeast Portland. This spot offers free music on a weekly basis as well as other monthly events. Every Sunday from noon to 2, you can catch DJs spinning vinyl and local beat makers curating tunes to go along with their delicious cocktails and brunch menu. They've got this banging breakfast sandwich, and aside from the free tunes and the weekend brunch, they've also got a solid lunch and dinner menu throughout the week. And now that it's fall and winter is approaching, Produce Row has their patio covered and heated throughout these rainy months. So if you're feeling stuck inside, this is a great place to come catch some tunes, grab some drinks, and eat some food. Link for Produce Row Cafe will be in the episode notes. Now let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from and uh, share the podcast with a friend, you know, leave a comment on social media, help try to penetrate some of those, uh, those algorithms that we are all up against trying to share what we are making and putting out into the world. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on Apple and Spotify every first of the month so that November one is available now and I uh, hope everybody's doing well out there I just got back from a tour run with my dear friend Isabeau Vayu Walker we did about 10 or 11 days on the west coast mostly also made it out to Boise for a day and then uh, headed to San Francisco and, and down the coast from there. Had a, a really great time out there with Isabeau. It was uh, such a pleasure to get to hear her play her songs and share her stories every night. So grateful for uh, that opportunity and uh, just slipping back into things now that I am back. I feel like now after doing about three or four 
tour runs this year that it seems to take many days. I was just talking to my cousin Bobby, who will be featured at the end of this episode with his Sun King project, but I was just talking to him about how it really seems to uh, take many days to kind of adjust and catch up on maybe the the sleep that you didn't get or, uh, you know, just trying to get back in the swing of uh, the the day-to-day of not just jumping in the car every day and figuring out where the next show is. So I'm settling in. I'm getting things back on track. I uh, had a couple interviews fall through that were scheduled for this week, which is also why the podcast is a day late. So uh, I decided to do a playlist-style episode this week for you featuring some recorded clips with some of the artists that will be featured as well as a short 10 minute chat or so with the band sun king at the end of the episode to wrap things up so you're gonna hear a bit of me throughout this episode alongside some tracks that i want to feature as well as some thoughts from the artists on those songs and projects so stoked to get into this one all the tracks and artists featured on this episode are all bands or musicians that have been featured on the podcast before but ones that i haven't caught up with as of late so i thought that this would be a fun way to to check in with them and also share some of the music that they have released recently so if you dig these tracks make sure you check out my monthly playlist that i've been putting up there on spotify and apple many of the ones that you're going to hear on this episode will be featured on that december 2022 playlist so this is also a preview of that And we're going to get into the first featured track of the episode. It comes from Portland-based indie punk band Jay Graves. I chatted with Jessa Graves, the songwriter and front person from the band, about three or four years ago or so on episode 178 of the podcast, right around the time the band's marathon record came out. And... Recently, they put out a brand new record called Fortress of Fun, which is intended to be this choose-your-own-adventure record with music videos to accompany the idea. And the band is gearing up for their album release show this Saturday, November 19th, at one of my favorite venues in Portland, Oregon, the Doug Fur. And this is Jessa talking about the track Marauder, which you are going to hear, and the Fortress of Fun record. This song I wrote at the beginning of 2020 when I didn't quite understand what was happening inside of me. I had just gone through a really tumultuous and, man, like, long and arduous breakup. And I named it Marauder, not quite knowing what that meant to me. And after we recorded the song, after we played it, time and time again, I came to understand that it was my angry song. I wasn't sad or upset. I was angry. And Fortress of Fun is a product of coming to understand what the heck was going on inside of me. There are songs that are pointed at me. There are songs that are pointed at other people. And there are songs of just not knowing anything at all. Now, Fortress of Fun is a choose-your-own-adventure record. Each one of the songs has a corresponding music video, which allows the listener to choose the order in which they hear the songs. This Saturday, November 19th, at the Doug Fur Lounge, we're celebrating the release of Fortress of Fun with a choose-your-own-adventure experience, wherein the audience will be in control of the order in which they hear our songs. Our release show is also a benefit for a really incredible organization in Portland called Rosehaven, who provides services to houseless and abused women and children in the community. $2 from every ticket will head to them. And we really, really hope everybody can come out and support Rosehaven and Jay Graves and everyone in the community as a whole. Looking forward to seeing everybody. Thanks so much for sharing again, and thanks so much for listening. Oh my, my, I think about it every time. 
that's Marauder from Jay Graves. And as Jessa mentioned, $2 of every ticket from that Doug Fur album release show on the 19th are going to Rose Haven, a Portland-based organization helping homeless and abused women and children improve their lives. So good music, good cause, and Reb and the Good News also on that Doug Fur bill with Jay Graves this Saturday. Speaking of bands playing shows this week, you can catch Portland-based band 40 Feet Tall at a brand new venue in town called The Lollipop Shop, formerly Dig a Pony. 40 Feet Tall is there this Thursday, and these dudes were on episode 260 of the podcast. It was super fun hanging out in their rehearsal space with them. I remember that for the most part, we were all strangers and instantly just felt like I was part of their crew once we got chatting. And I think there were some moments from that chat that I still remember very vividly as being hysterical. Some of my favorite clips from the last year or two came out of that particular conversation. And it really seems like the further that this band digs into making records, that they just keep finding their sound and their 2021 LP Good Distraction was, I think, a good indication of where things were heading, especially as they dove deeper into songwriting dynamics. But they just put out a new EP. It's called Boil. And this thing just continues to showcase the growth of this band. And they were really able to capture some of that raw live energy in these recordings that can be witnessed at their live shows. And they just dropped a brand new single called Sleepwalking one of my favorite tracks from the band to date. We always try and record all together. That just allows us to feed off of each other and read each other. We were actually able to be in one room at Trash Treasury. And uh, so that just creates a completely different atmosphere when it's without a crowd being there. It's about as close as you can get to it being a live performance on a stage. And then Cam also pushed us to do direct to tape, which was terrifying. (laughs) Um, But it also just, I think a lot of these songs lend themselves to something that is a little bit more raw. And, and I think that that comes through a lot more. There's more human mistakes, but um, I think it works perfectly with these types of songs that are, a little more frenetic and you know the the genre of music that we're playing lends itself to that type of thing um and it was also kind of freeing i think that we tend to be perfectionists to a fault where you know we'll be on our 10th try of some part or whatever and this was just kind of a situation where you you do the recording was that good was that that feel right done cool let's move on and it took a little bit to get used to that but i think that it lent itself to just a a more energetic and and real uh recording the name sleepwalking stemmed from a feeling that i think a lot of us had as as the pandemic really started to hit and of course the george floyd protests this this feeling of just finally waking up and and seeing a lot of things for actually what they are, whether it's late stage capitalism or police brutality, the institution of policing itself. Um, And so I think I, I cover a lot of different aspects of those general ideas in, in the song, but yeah, I just, I wanted to capture that feeling uh, that I think so many of us experienced at a wake up call.
That was Sleepwalking from 40 Feet Tall, their newest single. You can catch them this Thursday, November 17th, at the Lollipop Shop with the Max, who are another amazing Portland band. That show is going to be heavy. And Cam, who Cole from 40 Feet Tall mentioned in that snippet, is Cameron's Spies who is local to Portland and has a project called Night Heron and has been recording and producing some great records around this city. So check out Night Heron and more of the work from Cameron Spies. I guess this episode is is very Portland-centric, which I guess is nice because that's where this show started, and I know it has grown outside of covering just the Portland scene, but I think post-pandemic, I've really been enjoying going out to local shows again and connecting with musicians around me and seeing new projects and which bands are still intact and one that is still doing their thing is a band called Star Over Blue, who just put out one of my favorite local tracks of the year. It's called Larkspur, which was mixed and mastered by former guest of the podcast, David Pollock. I've had this recent opportunity to get to plug a local Portland track on mainstream radio every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. on Kink FM 101.9. And that has been a very cool experience. And Larkspur was the track that was featured last week and uh i wanted to uh showcase it here as well working with david pollock on this track was a really positive experience for us um so he mixed and mastered it and we feel like he just perfectly brought out both the grittiness and the dreaminess we were wanting to achieve with with it which isn't easy to do but yeah he's rad he's worked with a lot of brilliant local and big name artists um he's done cake tango alpha tango and our band's just really stoked to keep working with him on the rest of the record. Uh, he's super talented. He also just feels like he cares. And honestly, as a small band, that's half the battle. Surrounding yourself with other people who you feel like understand the creative vision of the group and can help you elevate it. I'd say we've gotten more positive feedback on Larkspur than I think we've had for any other single we've put out in recent years. So that feels really good. And we've also gotten the feedback that it feels pretty different from a lot of the other songs in our catalog. Um, it's certainly more of a rock song. I'd say probably sonically more in the realm of older Big Thief uh, versus something like Cocteau Twins, which we used to get a lot, oddly, before I even listened to them. Um, but the vibe of the song was actually inspired by one of my favorite San Jose bands where we used to be based, uh, a group called The Record Winter that was fronted by my friend Dominic, who passed away a couple years ago. So I think because of that, it feels even better that something about the song seems to be resonating with more people. And there's definitely going to be more of this sound on the upcoming record.
was Kendall Chalet from the band. Hope I'm saying that right, Kendall. I'm sorry if I'm not. Uh, Star Over Blue was on episode 196 of the podcast. I haven't seen Kendall or Dirk for quite some time, but I'm hoping to run into them in the near future. And I've heard from sources that maybe there's some more music on the way. Uh, love that Larkspur track, though. That one is on my November playlist, which is available now. All the links for all the artists featured will be in the episode notes, so you can keep up with these folks if you enjoy what you hear. Also, Star Over Blue is currently auditioning for drummers and bass players. So if you're in the Portland area and you're looking for a new project and you dig the Star Over Blue tunes, I would encourage you to to reach out to them if you feel like you could contribute something positive to that project. Again, links are in the episode notes, so you can find them there. So, as far as big December shows coming up, December 15th at Mississippi Pizza is the fifth annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party. It's been on pause the last few seasons because of the pandemic, but I'm happy to announce its return, and I wanted this year to be a celebration of both new and old friendships and relationships with artists in the city. So... On the lineup this year will be Vanport, local producer and DJ. We'll be doing a DJ set to get the night going and setting the vibe right. I had Vanport on the podcast a few months ago and have gotten to know him over this past year a bit more. And then closing out the night is going to be the Frank Irwin Quintet led by my dude, Chris Frank. I love this guy so much. He's a treasure to the history of this show. He's been on the podcast numerous times over the years, whether it was the Pariahs who were on episode 100 of the podcast and played the second annual holidays party, or it's him on the mic solo with me chatting about the Frank Irwin Quintet. He's also done the I Dig Records series with me. He put me on to a Funkadelic record, which is now in my vinyl collection. He's a killer player and just one of the the nicest dudes. I get to play hockey with him most Saturdays with our Portland Pinecone squad, and I couldn't be more stoked to have him on this lineup. So this year honors the new and the old, and a few months back, the Frank Irwin Quintet put out a new record called New Commute, which you will hear the title track from here shortly, amongst some other tunes from the Frank Irwin Quintet's most recent release. When I think about New Commute, it does certainly have a pandemic spirit in a lot of ways. It's it's definitely a pandemic record. Um, it deals with separation, disconnection. Uh, it was written kind of without that social connection. Um, some of it, about half of it was written while we were in, in isolation and, and really not seeing much of each other. The tracks, I didn't have a chance to play them out live before we recorded them. So they were very much kind of written in, in isolation. So some of it kind of has that vibe and is, is very much different from previous stuff. All the things that were happening in our lives at the beginning of the pandemic during lockdown are also coming through in the music a little bit. I hope there are songs that are written in response to the social justice protests of June 2020. There are songs that were written in email back and forth where we're sharing files and stuff like that uh, because we can't get together and write in person. So it's it's definitely got a little bit of that disconnected vibe compared to other stuff I've done in the past. We were actually scheduled to go into the studio and record this record as a septet as a seven piece with Nicole McCabe on bass clarinet and Molly Keller on trumpet and I was going to do kind of a bigger version of some of the songs we'd been playing live and orchestrated out a little bit and we were scheduled at the the last week in March so obviously that session got canceled by the time it got rescheduled Nicole had moved out of town and uh, Molly wasn't available and so it turned back into a quintet record. And in that, the time kind of between those spaces, I, I wrote a lot of songs 
just out of boredom and, and isolation. Um, so New Commute was written that way, where I came up with a, a couple of riffs and kind of parts and ideas and sent them to Alexander and he recorded drums and sent the drums back and then I took the drums and chopped them up in Ableton because like everybody else I bought it <laughs> bought Ableton like that second third week of the pandemic and a bunch of recording gear and so I was chopping his drums up and reorganizing them and chopping my bass lines up and putting them together so which was really a kind of new way of writing for me I see the most growth as a composer and a band director on this record in uh, writing away from the bass. The, the first record and the first big batch of songs were almost all written on electric bass, on electric six-string bass, and using looping pedals and, and kind of creating chord structures and then slowly over the course of um, hours and sometimes days building those melodies one bar at a time and really f- piecing together these melodies um, in a rather laborious way. I, I love writing that way, but this album allowed me or forced me due to the kind of pandemic restraints to uh, try some different things. So Molasses Sea, for example, that song was written almost exclusively um, using the video on my phone. I was just taking videos of myself at the, at the coast, um, in Lincoln city while walking on the beach and the, the rhythm came to me and I was singing it and I recorded it real quick so I didn't forget it. And then I walked some more and I was thinking, Oh, kind of what melodies would go here. And then I started whistling the main melody and recorded it as a video. And then, um, sang the counter melody and then brought all that back home and sifted through it and figured out, you know, what key is it in, what notes are these that I'm singing, and then uh, orchestrated it out from there. Um, And that kind of led to a really unique set of time signatures. That song kind of bounces from four to three to has bars of two in it um, and a bar of nine. And it's it's a kind of unique and fluid uh, time that I don't think I would ever have come up with if I was using my instrument to write it. Something about writing that just vocally out on the coast with the waves crashing in the background, that allowed me to come up with uh, a rhythmic sequence that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Also, a Lighthouse Enthusiasts uh, was written out at the coast on a different trip uh, where we, the first, like, when things opened up, we stayed at the Sylvia Beach Hotel out there, and I brought my electric guitar and loop pedal and a little set of headphones um, and just stayed in one afternoon and wrote a little, tried to write a song. And, uh, you know, I had these grand expectations for it, but what I came up with was was just this little polyrhythm thing for horns, maybe, and then a simple melody. And again, kind of just scratched that out and then brought it back. So, again, written off of the bass. Um, I've talked about kind of how New Commute was created um, by chopping things up and rearranging them in Ableton. That's a new technique for me that I, I want to use a lot more uh, in the future. Also something I did for this record that I hadn't done before, the tune A Dozen or So Belts, was written specifically for James uh, on the trombone. I said, man, James can just kill these kind of crazy lines, and I want to write him something wild as a trombone feature. And so uh, I just sat down and wrote that. I think that melody was written on the guitar, 
It's a really simple tune. And um, I'll say for most of the, the new tunes on the record, which are New Commute, Lighthouse Enthusiasts, A Dozen or So Belts, Swimmer's Itch, uh, and New Talons, those were songs that were written specifically for this record that we had never played live before. I really threw things at the wall a little bit more. I wrote those songs relatively quickly, and, and each one was about three to four hours from start to finish. And they were meant to be little short tunes and not very complicated, where normally I'm trying to create all these different uh, sections and have things be really involved and complex, like a la Charles Mingus, who's my favorite composer. Uh, but these were meant to be much more simple and, and kind of just capturing a moment in time or a experience. Recording this record was similar to recording the first. We did two rehearsals for the new tunes and then went right into the studio for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, both, I think, were eight or ten hour days. So we had, you know, our chops were a little rusty because no one had been playing anything. This was June 2020, so no one had had a gig in like four months. Uh, we all had to wear masks and, and everything else. And, um, it was just an incredible amount of positive energy in the studio. Just excited to be back together. Uh, James, Alexander, Ian, um, Corey, and I. And that was, I think, Ian was moving to Chicago just a few days after that session. So we kind of squeezed it in right before he left for Chicago. So it was kind of a, a farewell in a lot of ways. Um, because we knew we weren't going to be playing together after that. Uh, we took plenty of takes of things. We kind of rehearsed in the studio, which is different than our first record. Um, took our time, and I spent a lot of time in the map room after that. I probably went in twice a month for four months or so to edit and mix and try different things. I recorded... Uh, organ for parts. I recorded drums for things that I didn't end up using. I tried, we tried all sorts of different stuff and throw it at the wall to see if it improved things. That's where I came up with the vocals for New Commute. So just a lot of time and, and being willing to relax and take my time with it, which was totally different than Better Broken, which we recorded on Saturday, mixed on Sunday, and I walked out of there Sunday night with a finished record, uh, mastered and everything. Um, so I wanted to spend more time with it and really I did some significant editing and we put kind of some careful effects places and did some reverse stuff. I, uh, the second track drippings I made with Alexander, just in Ableton at home and then brought it in for him to mix stereo mix, uh, to include, and that builds off samples from new commute. So, you know, lots of editing inspired by music I have been listening to and just really uh, wanted to dive into the process more and take my time. I think it's a very different record from Better Broken, where Better Broken was created before the band ever played a gig. We did, similar to this, we did two rehearsals, but, um, I mean, we had we had never played together. So that record is very raw compared to New Commute, which is... I think much more polished, much more careful and thoughtful and has, you know, through lines and a kind of a theme to it, which is this separation, this change, um, uh, getting through kind of something traumatic together. And the artwork really um, is a huge part of this record. And you wouldn't know if you've just streamed it, but we, I made a 16-page booklet with this record that uh, has lead sheets and illustrations for each song and little bits about how they were created or what they were inspired by in order to give just a much more holistic album listening experience. And, and Alex's, um, Alex Southworth's uh, cover art on this record brings the whole thing together because the idea of the new commute and the lighthouse kind of run through the album and the the artwork is, you know, this uh, person in a canoe kind of crossing the water to um, a lighthouse that's been kind of overtaken by sea level rise. So it's very much kind of a two-part 
you know, metaphor that the new commute is kind of the way that our culture has shifted a little bit um, due to the pandemic and that we're a little more isolated now and, and stuck in our sweatpants and trying to figure out how to piece it back together, but also that that maybe things have changed more permanently with the environment and, and where we're headed societally. So um, I tried to just make a much more complex and thoughtful record with The New Commute, and I, I think it worked out pretty well. The title track, New Commute, has some vocals in it, which is... Um, unusual for me to be singing on a track for sure. I've done work with uh, local MCs in the past, Dusty Fox and Rufus Small Towns and um, Cloud Castle. Like having vocals in some of my work wasn't necessarily groundbreaking, but me adding vocals certainly was. That track was recorded instrumental and was originally uh, scheduled or, or created to be an instrumental. And the more I listened to it kind of in post-production after we recorded it, the more I just felt like something was missing in those sections of the song. And I went back and forth on, well, maybe I should hit this person up and have them do a little little verses, or um, maybe I should uh, get a hold of this friend and have them write a poem about, uh, you know, distance learning or something. Because New Commute is a song that's uh, very much tied to that, the beginning of how the heck do we live in this world where we can't leave our houses and um, just like that feeling of wearing sweatpants, the same sweatpants for like eight days straight and um, just kind of, I'm a school teacher, so I was just making these videos all day and doing this very bizarre new job that I had never thought I was going to do. And um, so that's when New Commute was written and it's in a similar spirit to that sense of like, how do I, how do I do music by myself? Like, how do I teach by myself? How do I do music by myself? How do I feel connected uh, to community without being near them? So the more and more I listen to this track, uh, I wanted something in there, but I was, I, I get a little anxious about reaching out to people and I didn't want to co-opt uh, anybody else's ideas or cause and I didn't I didn't necessarily want anybody else's voice on this track for some reason or I was just too scared to ask uh, I listened to it on my headphones while I walked around the neighborhood and, and kind of I ended up really kind of hearing this Saul Williams style poetry in there like he does on the beginning of the Janelle Monae uh, Arc Android album I just started riffing on that and wrote some things down. And so when I went back into the studio to mix, I said, oh, I got this little idea. Let's try this. And I, I, I ended up really liking it. So it's different. It, it, and I think you asked the question about this because it doesn't really fit with the rest of the album. It's on the first track. It's the only vocal besides some screaming on Wedding Dance um, towards the middle. But yeah, it is anomalous, and I'm okay with that because the experience of lockdown and, and the way this particular song was created is anomalous on the album, too. It's the only song that was written kind of using uh, edit, that, that heavy editing writing process, so uh, I guess I'm fine with that.
Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. The fall and winter months are upon us and North 45 has a rotating cocktail menu to keep you warm throughout the rainy and cold season. The rosemary garlic fries are my go-to item on the food menu. The fry sauce is absolutely lights out and their kitchen staff is always getting creative with daily food specials. Aside from it being a great neighborhood bar for food and drinks, they've got one of the best patios in the city, which is heated and covered. The patio has a ton of TVs, so you can watch all your favorite sports. And on Sundays from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., they've got local DJs spinning jams, curating the music, both on the patio and inside the bar. So come through for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Frank Irwin Quintet, come out to the holidays party December 15th. It's only 10 bucks. It's 8 p.m. to 10.30. We'll get you home at a reasonable hour. Frank always has a banging lineup of musicians that play in the band, so I'm excited to see what they bring that night and uh, can't go wrong with Vanport DJing. So I hope to see many of you out there. We're going to keep things jazz adjacent to wrap up the episode of the podcast with the only group not based in Portland featured on this episode with a short chat with Sun King. This band is made up of two members of Seattle-based experimental jazz operation High Pulp. It includes my cousin Rob Granfelt, who some of you know as Bobby, and uh, Antoine Martel, a.k.a. Sous Chef. Both have been on the cast many times. And their anti-records debut record is dropping this Friday, November 18th. It's called Smug. And uh, this is us chatting a bit. Thank you all for tuning in. All the links are in the episode notes. And if you're in the Portland area, I hope to see you at the holidays party on December 15th. And on December 11th, you can catch Sun King in Portland at Turn, 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 a part of their West Coast tour. Both these dudes are just monster musicians. If you dig what you hear, make sure you check out that new record this Friday. And I just want to give a big thank you to all the artists that contributed their music and thoughts on on the tracks to help make this playlist episode happen appreciate you all and this is me chatting with sun king i know you guys just got done with like a, a run of shows here and when we did a podcast about this sun king project maybe three or four years ago it was like right before a pandemic or so it was right around the time that you all had just gotten back from doing that run of shows in japan and i know at that point with the band, you were very much like, we have a lot to figure out after having that experience. So talk to me like where you feel like things are at now in comparison to maybe where they were when you went on 
that Japan run of shows? Well, I guess in part, like the Japan one run was sort of a, it had become a Sun King run because it couldn't be a, a Tsuba run, right? So it had sort of been like an ad hoc last, like we had bought plane tickets to do something else there. And then it was like, oh, just kidding. We're going to play Sun King. Um, and I was still like using the laptop and um, the APC and stuff. And we were just kind of like, it was in my early days of figuring out how to like perform with samples and things. So, um, Things have changed a lot since then. And it was a long then, time ago. Yeah. Yeah. We got like a lot of gear in the pandemic times. And then, um, really shout out to Electron. Yeah. A little Electron and Modular shout out, basically, to which made it very, like, which made this duo thing possible. Cause even Japan had been a trio with a right. bass player. Um, and I think, Kazo, you also, we talked after the, the run of shows in the Northwest, which was when Elliot and Gavio were in the band. So we did, we did that, that makeup right. too. Right. And now we've settled on just the duo being sort of the preferred way. So it's, it's changed a lot. <laughs> it's like three different renditions. Like, what do you, what do you feel like is working now? Like within just keeping it as the duo and trying to, perform some of these songs that you guys have recorded well it's been nice because like they were recorded as a duo for the most part with you know obviously sometimes we get some features or something here and there but um it feels like a little closer to the original sort of spirit of the thing um for me at least just in it being like it was recorded sort of at first starting with just bobby and i hanging out maybe we toss some layers on but then the songs we choose to play live are more of the ones that have been just more in Bobby and me and Bobby. So yeah, it feels like a sort of like, it took us all this time to get to here to figure out how Sun King was going to work live. But this one feels sort of like what Sun King maybe should be. Yeah, them. exactly. Like we tried too hard with the other ones, I think, to, to like make it a thing. But it wasn't even that we like tried, in the, I don't know. Like, I just didn't know how to like do it. Yeah. It just you, you know? And like Juan said, like the Japan tour happened because the Suba tour fell through, but we had already booked a bunch of shows and booked our tickets. And then the teleporter tour was because we were touring with teleporter and we were like, let's put together a band. So like, this feels like the first time that we sort of are like choosing ourselves to be like, okay, this is a thing we want to do now in this way. And it's a little less just like thrown together. I know this like whole project kind of came about nearly like by accident too there wasn't like a whole lot of intent to like turn this in it was definitely originally just like so, a studio like, project and then we well all these songs were written right. and recorded with no consideration of a live performance in mind yeah um, and even and before then, it was a studio project it was just an accident that it happened in the first place so do you feel like you did you make the the smug record with it in mind that you were going to be playing no these these songs Definitely live no. <laughs> it's been a huge we wouldn't have put like 14 horns on every song yeah yeah it's been a very big sort of like deconstruction process to figure out you know our our live show is somewhat was somewhat of a process of just figuring out what could we do live and yeah, we're playing a lot of songs that are like on our next record that's not we're not even done with yet because those are just easier to play than these ones with all these like elaborate horn sections because i don't play any of the horns so that's you know i can click a button and horns can happen <laughs> but that's not exactly as satisfying as like a live experience yeah do you think it, it would uh be a big mistake to try to like make a record in the future with just like keeping in mind that like how this will translate live like do you think that kind of just puts the creative like the creativity in a corner when you start thinking about it that way or worrying about how things are going to translate live? i think so i don't think you want to like ever like limit yourself in the studio because you're like oh i want to be able to do this live and it's going to be hard I think it's more just about like not being attached to like how it needs to happen live, you know, like as long as it's a thing that feels creative, like when I talk a lot about how we don't like just hitting 
play on like a sample like even if we have a sample we want to like cut up and be performing it in some way um just because it's more fun for us um so yeah I don't, I don't know like i think that we i think that what will probably dictate like the music will dictate sort of what we do next and we'll figure out how to how to perform what we were talking about at one point which i think is like sort of an interesting thing and now that we do play it live there's a little more of a there can be like a back and forth in which there wasn't before like i'm thinking of a song like uh we had this song that we called foreplay that I like, we made like a recorded version of it. We're like, that's fine. And we put it as like a B side in the corner, but then we brought it to the live sphere and there were parts of it that were like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And now we could like go back and change things about the recording to, because of the experiences we did have with it live sort of, you know, I mean, we're not like opposed to that by any means, but. I don't know if we'll do that with that one specifically, but you know, this, the live thing does sort of open that door to like, um, especially when you're playing stuff that's not released, but you are like working on it, then it ends up being kind of like, uh, you can get ideas, even if it's not like fully designed for one or the other, it can still kind of bleed a little bit over. I think. You still feel like you're like really working it out though, when you guys are playing even this run of shows, like what the live show is or do you feel like it's getting closer to something that's like dialed in and you're kind of like oh this is what it is or where it should be at it's a process i think we're in the middle of it like it feels like we now know like what it is we're trying to do we can like perform a set now which we couldn't do like a week ago yeah we can totally perform a set which we couldn't do a week ago and so that's like a huge step up. <laughs> yeah now it's just like trying to like be be better at executing it so that you're able to like stay in the the flow state more you know what i mean um that's just more fun but it's a fun project because it's like like that jocko jocko um interview she says like her music's like never fully improvisational and never fully uh scripted you know and i feel like that's sort of what's cool about playing in sun king's just like fun it's a fun project to play in because it feels like that like we have to like adhere to certain things and we're using these samplers and these sequences and the boxes but within those there's like elements for improvisation and stuff is there is there like a much different amount of space then for both of you opposed to playing in such a big band with high pulp yeah, I mean, the wildest differences with the big band is like when you're standing outside of the venue and you're trying to like get together and decide on when you're going to go to dinner. And then it's just like Bobby's just standing there. And then we're both standing there. So <laughs> if we're waiting for somebody else to show up and then we can, we're like, oh, wait, no, nobody else is going to show up. This is actually everybody who's going to make this decision and then just go somewhere. And it takes like yeah. a fraction of the time. Uh, that's the biggest difference. Um, <laughs> just, just like who, who's up next in the driving rotation uh, uh, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there there actually is no driving rotation that's the improv that's the improv part yeah um, but I mean I don't know playing it live I certainly like and Bobby you know you're you're sort of like I guess the drums end up being pretty front and center in both of the project, but I certainly feel like there's a lot more, like, uh, there's a lot more of me in this than there is in Pulp, sort of, in, like, a nice way. Um, that feels real satisfying to be up on stage and doing the thing, you know, because it feels a little closer, a little closer to really uh, what I want to do and just personally, you know? For me, it's like the the music to me feels more regimented sort of it's um also i do feel like more on an island as far as like if we fuck up like we can really we can really bomb this shit in a way that we can't really bomb as bad in high pole you know yeah. um there are ways we can like break the song and which one <laughs> yeah, very simply just be like return. well i'm sorry audience i broke the song next one um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's, it's interesting i don't like 
it feels just like sort of a different project and it's not even like you know yeah like the there's obviously a lot of time we spend in our lives like doing high pulp stuff but it's like they occupy such different places for me at least personally that that's like you know it's it's nice because if it felt like two of the same bands be you just would want to be in one band <laughs> you know like so they feed different things like for Twan and I like we spend a lot of time just like hanging out on the drives talking about m music and ideas and, and gear and and watching videos of other people and that and you know it's the type of shit that bands do but like when you're in a seven person band or something it's like there's just a, a different weight to like that than when it's like, I'm watching it with the only other person that makes music in this thing. And like, we can be watching a YouTube video together or talking about some module or something and be like, oh, let's try to incorporate that, boom. You know what I mean? And I just feel like the, the set feels really open, which is cool as far as like, you know, we're, we're just gonna keep on adding things. Like our next run is gonna have some some different stuff already because we're just sort of, building this thing together and i think we know what we want it to look like and now it's the fun part is like sort of you know walking backwards to figure out how to get i witnessed some of this geeking out yeah this, uh, last high pulp run that's spe specifically that that one night <laughs> that we drove from reno to chico and it was the three of us that was that when were i made my driving first rotation. modular grid round yeah bobby now texts me modular grid racks on like a pretty regular basis that was probably like a three hour drive and you guys were geeking out about like gear so hard that at a certain point yeah, I was just yeah, like, you were supposed they're to fine. Stay awake. I'm, like, I'm they're going to sleep. Like, I'm not going to try to stay awake anymore. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're very much alive and in it. Uh, the smug record drops this Friday on anti. I know that y'all have been sitting on this for some time. Is there uh, does it feel good that, that, this entire record is going to be finally out and about. Yeah, it feels like an exorcism or something for me. She's been with us for so fucking long, you know? It's like nice to, and like we held on to it for so long because we thought that maybe somebody would do something with it or, you know, we just didn't even think about it. We were like, we'll just wait for it to sort of show itself. And then it finally did like four years, five years later. <laughs> yeah it's definitely like a, a, a release of some kind not just like in the simple like music release word but like an emotional like release of just like okay all of this like stuff that's been you know it, it also kind of closes the chapter on the whole first like era of sun king um so it's a nice like yeah i don't know feels like complete well cool i want to play we're gonna play the episode out with uh my mind is an oven and uh and people can find this sun king record on all the things this uh this coming friday november 18th and there's vinyls right is the vinyl the vinyl is is available for people to uh it'll be available for our december dates awesome in uh portland oregon december 11th at turn 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 you can catch Sun King here or uh, along the uh, the West Coast on their other dates. I'll make sure to put all the links in the episode notes. And um, can you guys sail it out with the and it's a program so we can uh, properly wrap this this playlist episode of the cast. It is a program. <laughs> it's a program. And uh, that's Sun King, everybody. And I'll put the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with them and their new record, Smug, out this Friday. And uh, this is My Mind is an Oven. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever you are listening from.
just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.